Welcome to the Fasting Well podcast. This is episode number 20, and today I'll be talking about a very important topic as it relates to fasting, and that is salt. Salt and other electrolytes, but mainly salt, because it's the most important one. So I often recommend to people when they start fasting that they consume some extra salt. But I find that most of the time, people don't take this advice very seriously. They either ignore it or they kind of do it half-heartedly. And I'm guessing the reason for that is because it goes against stuff that they've heard in the past. So most of us over the years have heard at some time or another that we should actually limit our sodium intake or our salt intake. And I'll talk later in the podcast about whether that is good advice and kind of where that comes from. But that's probably why when I say, actually, you need to get more salt, at least in this context of fasting, that people are a little resistant to that, a little confused, and they find it a little strange. And so oftentimes they don't take it very seriously and they don't really do it. But based on my own experience and people that I've helped with fasting, as well as other tips and recommendations I've heard from people who have even more experience than me, like Megan Ramos, who was on episode 14 of the podcast, based on all that kind of collective experience, it appears that salt is a really valuable tool when you're fasting. Now, in the last episode, I talked about what to drink when you're fasting, and I mentioned salt a few times, but today I'm going to do a deeper dive into salt. I'll talk about the backstory of salt and and why it matters when you're fasting, how you can get salt when you're fasting, and how much you should probably consume. I'll talk a little bit about some other electrolytes as well, such as potassium and magnesium, but the most important electrolyte when you're fasting is salt. And knowing about salt and and how to use it is one of the best things that you can do to help smooth out your experience with fasting and to avoid some of the potential side effects that come along with fasting. So this is more relevant to extended fasting than if you're just doing like short-term daily fasted or time-restricted eating, then salt and electrolytes aren't as important because you'll be getting them from your food every day. But if you're doing an extended fast or fasting for a whole day or more, then electrolytes become more important. And if you're wondering whether extended fasting is a good fit for you, you might go back and listen to episode 12 of the podcast because I talked about some of the benefits of extended fasting. And so that would probably help you see if it's a good fit for your specific situation. But let's go ahead and get into the topic. So as I alluded to, the first electrolyte I'm going to talk about is sodium. Now, sodium is the same thing as salt because table salt is sodium chloride, and it's the sodium that really matters. So for a little background, as you probably know, our bodies need salt to function. We can't live without it. And in ancient times, sometimes salt was considered a valuable thing because people knew they needed it to stay alive. Now, in modern times, of course, there's no scarcity of salt. You can find it anywhere. It's really cheap at the grocery store. And there's this story in the medical community about excess sodium consumption being a potential cause of high blood pressure. And a lot of people have high blood pressure these days. Probably the majority of adults, honestly, have what would be considered excessively high blood pressure. But it turns out, if you do a little digging, the main cause of that is probably not excess sodium consumption. It's probably excess sugar consumption. And that's because when you consume a lot of sugar and processed carbohydrates, it raises your insulin level. And if you have high insulin levels, it causes your kidneys to retain more salt and water, which leads to high blood pressure. I discussed that in depth with Dr. Ben Bickman in episode 18 of the podcast. So if you want to know about insulin and insulin resistance and and how to combat it, go back and listen to that episode. 
Now, a lot of people with high blood pressure have been told that they should limit their sodium consumption. It turns out, even in the medical literature, it's been shown that it's only a very small minority of people that actually see improvement in their blood pressure readings when they limit sodium intake. And here's one of the reasons for that. When you limit your salt intake, your body compensates. It does a compensation to try to keep your blood pressure up um, because your brain is used to having your blood pressure at whatever level it's at. So when you cut out the sodium, your body compensates by raising your stress hormones. And those are cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline, also known as epinephrine and norepinephrine. So your body will compensate by raising those stress hormones if you limit your sodium intake on a normal day when you're eating whatever kind of food you eat. And so that's one of the reasons why cutting out the sodium doesn't really help normalize your blood pressure, at least in the majority of people. And there's a book that really dives into this if you want to understand more about this backstory, and that's called The Salt Fix, and explains more about how limiting your sodium is not really a good treatment for blood pressure and really not a very healthy thing to do in most cases. So to give a little context to the amount of sodium that people consume, most people are consuming three, four, five, six, seven grams of sodium per day. And if you eat a lot of processed food, it's probably significantly more than that. But the usual recommendation for if you're trying to kind of control your sodium intake is to limit it to about two grams per day. And of course, two grams is the same thing as 2,000 milligrams. So sometimes I'll say milligrams, sometimes I'll say grams. So a gram is 1,000 milligrams. So two grams is considered kind of a low but normal amount of sodium to consume each day. Now let's put that in the context of fasting. So if you're just doing a plain water fast and nothing else but water, then of course you wouldn't be consuming any salt. So no sodium, zero grams of sodium. And when you fast, your insulin level goes down, and so your kidneys are now going to release more salt and more water than they would when you're eating food. So those are two reasons why you're actually not going to have as much salt in your system. You're not getting as much in, and more is going out. So as a result, if you're just doing water fasting, your, your salt or sodium levels in your blood are going to gradually drop. And again, like I said earlier, your brain is used to having a certain blood pressure level. And as that sodium drops more and more, that blood pressure level will go down a little bit, maybe not a lot, but at least a little bit, and your stress hormones will start coming up. So as a result of that little bit of blood pressure drop, you may feel dizziness, fatigue, etc. And as a result of those stress hormones going up, it could make it harder to sleep or make you feel antsy or whatever. So those are some of the effects of not consuming salt when you fast. Now, I, when I first started fasting, when I first did some prolonged fasts, I didn't make any special effort to get extra salt, and I did find that sometimes it was pretty hard to sleep, so I, sometimes I would only sleep a few hours a night, and there was kind of this compensatory increased energy from the stress hormones and stuff like that, but it was a little unpleasant that it was harder to sleep, and I felt a little more fatigued, etc. I also noticed that back then, if I tried to do exercise on my fasting days, it was pretty hard. I couldn't really do any exercise because my heart rate would go up really fast. And then later, when I kind of learned that, that salt would help and I consumed a lot more salt, then it kind of took care of all those issues. Not 100%, but all of them got a lot better. For example, I could do exercise on my fasting days, it was easier to sleep, and I felt more energetic. So how can you get some extra salt when you're fasting? 
Well, there are various sources. Of course, you can just use plain salt, which you could either just mix it with your water or put it on your tongue and then drink some water to wash it down, or just put a spoonful in your mouth and, and wash that down. So, of course, that's kind of unpleasant because it tastes too salty, but it, it's over quick. It doesn't take that long. So you could put some extra salt in your system quickly that way. Usually, I use some more palatable sources of sodium, and that includes things like bullion cubes or any type of bullion, various types of broth, especially veggie broth, or chicken broth or beef broth. Not really bone broth, because that has a lot more protein and stuff, but I'm talking about things that have very little sugar and very little calories, but have a lot of sodium. So I have several hundred milligrams, like maybe almost one gram of sodium per serving. And I got into some more specific details about that as well in episode 13 of the podcast about dirty fasting. So if you want to just learn a little bit more about the broth and the bullion and, and some of those things that you can use as extra supplements when you're fasting, you might want to go check that out as well. So how much salt should you try to get when you're fasting, if you're fasting for a whole day or multiple days? Well, of course, there are some medical contraindications. Um, there are some medical conditions where it does become important to avoid an excessive amount of salt, but that's, that's only the minority of people. Um, and so most people, if you have pretty well-functioning kidneys, and if you don't have heart failure, then usually it's okay to take some supplementary, supplementary salt when you're fasting. And keep in mind, you know, your body's used to getting at least two grams of sodium every day. Remember, that's actually a low amount. That's what they tell you to try to limit your sodium to. So two grams is considered a small amount of salt to consume in a day. So it naturally follows that if you're fasting, you might want to try to get at least two grams of sodium per day. And that's usually what I kind of shoot for. I, I go two or more. So if you're pretty healthy in the sense that your kidneys are working and you don't have heart failure, you can probably get somewhere between about two grams and five grams of sodium in a day and it shouldn't be a problem. Of course, if there's any doubt, just consult with your own medical providers because this is not individual medical advice. I don't know all your circumstances, but usually that's kind of the range that most people would want to shoot for. So again, 2 grams means 2,000 milligrams, 5 grams means 5,000 milligrams, and so on. Because most of the labels will say how many milligrams it is because it's usually less than 1,000 milligrams in one serving of whatever it is that you're consuming. So how can you get that amount of salt? Well, for example... A tablespoon of soy sauce has about one gram of sodium, so you could mix a tablespoon of soy sauce in with some water and drink it. Or you could use the veggie broth I mentioned earlier, and a, a serving of that will usually have somewhere between 600 and 800 milligrams of sodium. So if you do like three cups of that, which is three servings per day, then you'll be up to about two grams of sodium. So those are a couple examples. Whatever it is, just look at the nutrition facts, figure out how much sodium it has, and try to get up to at least two grams of sodium, unless you have some medical reason not to do that. So that's basically how you get enough salt. And for most people, if you're fasting for a whole day or for multiple days, it helps a lot to try to get at least that minimum amount of salt, at least those couple grams, and it's going to make the whole experience a lot smoother. Okay, so we spent a lot of time talking about sodium because it's the most important electrolyte. But there are a couple others that are worth mentioning, and I'll try to be a little more concise with these because they're not quite as important, but they're worth exploring a little bit. So the main two other electrolytes that matter when you're fasting are potassium and magnesium. 
So let's talk about potassium first. So a little background. So potassium, you have a bunch of potassium in your body. Most of it is inside your cells. So it's not really in your bloodstream. It's like inside the cells, outside the bloodstream. But it's really important for things like muscle function and nerve function and just various things like that. So the usual recommendation, uh, there's not an official recommended daily allowance of potassium, but typically if you're trying to be healthy or whatever, they'll say try to get at least a few grams of potassium per day. And you get that from mostly from vegetables and fruits um, in your diet. So if you're doing water fasting or something like that, of course you're not consuming any food that has potassium, so you wouldn't be consuming any potassium. But if you do consume some extra potassium, that can help you avoid things like muscle cramps, it can help keep your energy up a little bit, and just help your body work a little bit better. Another thing that's worth mentioning is that when you get some extra potassium, it actually helps your body hold on to the sodium. And that's because your kidneys do this little thing where they kind of are either excreting sodium or potassium. But if you're excreting more sodium, then you'll hold on to more potassium. And if you excrete more potassium, you'll hold on to more sodium. So whichever one you're kind of putting more of into your urine, you'll hold on to more of the other one. So one way to help your body hold on to sodium is to get some extra potassium when you're fasting. So how do you get more potassium? Well, there are various supplements on the market. Most of them are pills. And the pills have up to about 99 milligrams of potassium. I think there's a law that says they can't put more than 100 milligrams. And that's because there's a theoretical risk. I guess if you take a a pill that has a whole bunch of potassium in it, it can sometimes cause um, some damage to your small intestine. Um, So what I do instead, actually, is I use a powder form of it because then I can get a higher dose, and it probably doesn't have as much of a risk of that um, kind of damage to the wall of your intestine, because it's probably, that would probably be if there was like a pill that got stuck sitting against this wall of your intestine for a while, and then maybe it would kind of corrode it a little bit, if you had this crazy amount of potassium all in one spot like that. So anyway, (laughs) so the amount of potassium to consume when you're fasting is variable. I shoot for about two grams a day, So that actually ends up being the same as the sodium. The sodium, I said, two grams or more. The potassium, I'm saying, about two grams. So again, consider your medical circumstances, like kidney failure is a really big one in this case. People with kidney failure have to limit their potassium intake. But if you're someone who has pretty functioning kidneys and doesn't have any medical contraindications, then probably about two grams a day is reasonable. But any amount helps. If you get less than two grams, no big deal. Because again, potassium is not as important as sodium. Nothing is as important as salt or sodium. But potassium can help smooth out your experience with fasting, can help you feel a little more energetic, help you avoid muscle cramps, and help you hold on to more of the sodium in your body. If you're looking for a specific potassium supplement, I actually linked to the one that I use on my Dirty Fasting Cheat Sheet. So I have a Dirty Fasting Cheat Sheet that you can find by going to my website at fastingwell.com slash dirty, fastingwell.com slash dirty. That has a link to the specific potassium supplement that I've been using, and it also has a link to one of the magnesium supplements that I've been using. So let's go ahead and talk about the third electrolyte that I'm going to talk about today, which is magnesium. So magnesium has kind of an interesting backstory. So usually nobody's measuring your magnesium level. Your doctor doesn't do that routinely. It's not part of the typical metabolic panel that they check. When they check your metabolic panel, it does measure sodium. It does measure potassium, uh, measures calcium, but it doesn't measure magnesium. 
and that's probably because our blood tests for magnesium are usually not very accurate. And what I mean is, the amount of magnesium in your blood doesn't necessarily reflect the amount of magnesium in your whole body. That's because, like potassium, a lot of the magnesium is not in your bloodstream. It can be in other places, like inside your cells, inside the actual cells. So many people believe, many doctors and researchers believe, that most of us are deficient in magnesium. Most people don't have enough magnesium in their body. And magnesium does a lot of important stuff in the body. Like it helps prevent cancer, because a lot of the um, enzymes that help repair your DNA require magnesium. It helps our muscles function better. It keeps our energy up. Magnesium is really important for mental health, especially anxiety. Like if you get some magnesium, it helps relax you more. So it does a bunch of important stuff. And that was just a little teaser. There's a whole bunch of other things that magnesium helps with in your body. So in general, it's a really good idea to try to get more magnesium into your body. And even if you're not doing any fasting, how do you get it in your diet? Well, the biggest source is dark leafy greens. So you can imagine why most people don't get enough magnesium because most people aren't eating that much of the leafy greens. Some other sources include cacao or cocoa. I'm talking about dark chocolate, not sugary candy, but dark, dark chocolate. The darker, the better. Also, avocados and certain types of nuts like almonds and cashews are pretty good sources of magnesium. Now let's put magnesium in the context of fasting. So of course, if you're just doing water fasting or anything like that, then you don't have any magnesium coming into your body. Keep in mind that you and I and most people are probably deficient in magnesium to begin with. So we don't have enough magnesium in our body, and then we start fasting and we're not taking in any magnesium at all. So that could lead to things like fatigue and cramping and and various other issues. So that's why it's a good idea to get some extra magnesium. Now how can you go about that? Well, basically, you get magnesium through various supplements, and you can consume those supplements by mouth, or you can do Epsom salt soaks, because then the magnesium gets absorbed through your skin from the Epsom salt in the bath water. And that's because Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate, so it has magnesium in it. How much magnesium should you get? Well, here's the thing about magnesium. Unless you have kidney failure or a similar type of problem, in other words, some specific medical reason not to get a lot of magnesium, unless you have that type of problem, then for most people, it's the more the merrier. There's not really some like upper limit or some amount that's going to, that's going to kill you. I mean, if you're taking it by mouth, that is, I mean, if you were injecting it into your veins, sure, you could have excessive amounts of magnesium. But if you're taking it by mouth, it's pretty much impossible to get too much, again, unless you have some specific medical issue related to that. Now, the problem with taking a lot of magnesium by mouth is that it can also cause loose stools or diarrhea. So if you're just pounding the magnesium supplements, you might get diarrhea from that. And prolonged fasting can also cause diarrhea. So then it's a double whammy if you're like, well, the fasting might be causing some diarrhea, and then I'm taking magnesium, and that might be causing diarrhea, and I don't know which one's contributing the most, but I'm having a lot of diarrhea. (laughs) Now, I've never really had problems with loose stools when I fast, but I know a lot of people who have, so it's just something to keep in mind. So basically how I would approach it is this. There are two forms of magnesium that are kind of better than the other ones and don't cause as much diarrhea, and that's magnesium glycinate, and magnesium bisglycinate, and bisglycinate may be the best. So if you're looking for a supplement, you should probably get one of those. And there's a specific product that I use that's on my dirty fasting cheat sheet that I mentioned earlier. It's a magnesium glycinate powder, and I also have a magnesium bisglycinate powder. And then 
when, once you get your supplements, you want to kind of titrate it to the effect that you're looking for. In other words, take some magnesium, wait 12 hours, see if you get loose stools or something. And if not, then it was not an excessive amount. But if you do, maybe it was an excessive amount. So start kind of low and work your way up and, and see how your body reacts. The other thing you can do is you can just do the Epsom salt soaks instead of taking a bunch of magnesium supplements by mouth you, uh, when you're fasting. So you can just take a warm bath with lots of Epsom salt dissolved in there, and then you'll absorb some magnesium through the water, or through your skin, in other words, from the water. So magnesium, getting enough magnesium, as I mentioned earlier, will help prevent things like cramps, help you feel a little more energetic, and it has a bunch of other health impacts in the long run, but just when you're fasting, those are some of the specific issues to consider. All right, so we finally got to the end of those three electrolytes. So you may be wondering, what about other electrolytes? Are there other electrolytes I should be worried about besides these three, sodium, potassium, and magnesium? And pretty much the answer is no. When you're fasting, there's not really any other electrolytes that are that important. Calcium's the one that people most often bring up or, or that's most often included in supplements, but you probably don't really need to supplement your calcium when you're fasting. If you do, no big deal, but it's not really that important. And that's because your body's pretty good at maintaining a, a reasonable calcium level regardless because you have a whole bunch of extra calcium in your body, mostly in your bones. So it can release just a little bit here and there to kind of maintain your calcium levels. And then you do other things when you're not fasting, like get, get some extra vitamin D, do some exercise, and that'll help restore the bone density um, and keep strong, healthy bones. All right, so why don't I just briefly summarize this episode went a little longer than I wanted, so I'll try to keep the summary short. So basically the bottom line is salt is really valuable, really helpful, especially when you're doing prolonged fasting. It can prevent a lot of the side effects that come along with fasting. Salt has kind of been vilified. People have been told not to consume very much salt in general because of the thought that it might be causing high blood pressure, but that's probably not really accurate. And if you want to learn more about that, read The Salt Fix. That's the book called The Salt Fix. When you're fasting, it helps to get maybe 2 grams, 3 grams, 4 grams, maybe up to about 5 grams of extra salt. If you're a young, healthy person, you could certainly get more, but that's a reasonable range to shoot for. And you can do that with things like broth bullion, soy sauce, or just plain salt. There are some medical scenarios where you'd want to avoid a lot of excess of salt, but that's the minority of people. In any event, consider your individual circumstances and consult with your medical providers or do enough research that, that you know what would be appropriate for your individual situation. Potassium can also be valuable when you're fasting because it helps with things like preventing muscle cramps and just kind of feeling a little more energetic. And when you get enough potassium, when you get some extra potassium, it helps your body hold on to some of the sodium because of the way your kidneys work. So there are various potassium supplements. The pills are usually only a very small amount of potassium, so that's why I use a powder form. And I linked to that and the magnesium supplement that I use on my dirty fasting cheat sheet which you can get at fastingwell.com slash dirty. So I shoot for about two grams of potassium a day. Any amount helps. You don't have to be too precise with that. And as with sodium, there are some potential medical situations where you wouldn't want to overdo the potassium, especially if you have kidney failure. But consider your individual circumstances. The third electrolyte that's worth supplementing when you're fasting is magnesium. Now, most people are probably deficient in magnesium to begin with, so when they start fasting and they're not taking in any magnesium, then they can become even a little more deficient. 
So it helps to get some extra magnesium in general and when you're fasting. You can get it from dark leafy greens, from dark, dark chocolate, from avocados, from certain types of nuts. And there are supplements you can use when you're fasting. So magnesium glycinate and bisglycinate are probably the best forms that cause the least amount of diarrhea. You can test it out and see if a reasonable dose of the supplement causes diarrhea in you. There's not really some specific amount that you need to shoot for, maybe something like 500 milligrams, but it's not like this exact number. Because for most people, if you have functioning kidneys and no major medical issues that would impact your magnesium levels, then the more the merrier. You can also use Epsom salt soaks to get some extra magnesium absorbing through your skin, which of course wouldn't cause any diarrhea because it's not going through your intestines like it is when you take it by mouth. So there it is. We finally got to the end. So I hope that was helpful. Electrolytes are one of the most important things to consider when you're fasting, especially on a prolonged fast. Helps with a lot of the potential side effects, help people, helps people feel more energetic, um, just makes fasting go a lot more smoothly in general. So it's definitely something to focus on. If you found this information valuable, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts specifically. That's the best place. So if you have access to that, please go leave a review right now because it's one of the most helpful things you can do to spread the word and help more people find this information. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Fasting Well Podcast. The Fasting Well Podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.